we go. A good conversation can shift the direction of change forever. Would you leave it to chance? Join the authors of Design to Change and explore this series of conversations with designers and event owners. Driven by the need and conversations with event owners and event designers who use the event canvas around the world, this series explores the depths of conversations to elevate your abilities to look and act beyond the now. Episodes are hosted by Rude Janssen, Ruel Friesen, Dennis Lehrer, and Paul Rukens, with illustrious changemakers, designers, and pioneers in the field of design and beyond. To explore these conversations and additional content, visit designtochange.online. For now, let's start the conversation. Conversations. There was a little pause because we were taking a picture. And the picture we were taking is at IMAX 2022. And we're here uh, together uh, at this podcast recording. And Suzanne Tripel. 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 Uh, is joining uh, uh, me. Uh, my name is Rudi Janssen and my colleague Rolf Rissen. Yeah. Um, and we're delighted to, um, to talk a little bit about events, event design, and how you have moved from ad blockers to ad filters yes. in your organization and how has that impacted the way you do your events? And yeah, there, there was, I mean, we are a quite successful operating software company mm -hmm. from Germany. So the headquarter is in Berlin, and we have offices in Ber um, the headquarter is not in Berlin. I'm sorry, the headquarter is in Cologne, and mm -hmm. we have a big office in Berlin and one in Malmo, Sweden. And we work uh, worldwide all together. Like we are a remote working friendly company, which is great because we we are very resilient when it comes to change, or we have to work. I mean, during pandemic going to home office was not a problem for us because we were working like this Already. even before it was like somehow caused by you know forces so yeah but the thing is our products also changed a bit so before we were like um, promoting a product which is called adblock plus which is an ad blocker and over the years um, it changed a bit going to ad filtering technologies and we have like one event which is called the um, uh, ad blocker summit but then we wanted to change the name to refer to what we really do um, and to be more inclusive to the audience so not to exclude people who want to make I mean who earn their money with with, uh, with ads and I think it's also somehow um, there has to be like a value exchange in internet because everyone needs to earn money for content you are also like producing high quality content bloggers need to to make money everyone i mean nothing is for free so either we pay for content or we have the ads so we pay with i don't know with our privacy or with data or whatever so then we had to, to find another name which is now ad filtering summit but now we have a bit to rethink also because we have um, not only like the people who are um, aware about technology and the developers who work on, on the product, but there are also like publishers joining. And we have to, to maybe find another format 
which is not only like presenting like the newest ideas or development and challenges, but also like to to enhance uh, conversations, for instance. And this is something where we have to rethink about the event. So coming from, I don't know, sitting, you know, and uh, listening to um, yeah, building relationships and um, like promoting conversations between people who, who sometimes are hesitating a bit to get you know closer together or to, to discuss openly. So I think this is a is a challenge maybe. Yeah. Where does <coughs> where does the hesitation for the conversation come from? Do you think? I don't know. I think. Um, I think also a challenge is that we have somehow maybe forgotten how to to uh, to interact in, in person on events you know so for me even I'm, I mean I'm 20 years in business mm -hmm. and I used to work also like more on the side of key account and in, in big agencies so for me starting conversations uh, asking people for their names you know or, or, or doing small talk mm -hmm. during get together was very easy for me but now with this break of two years I was really overwhelmed the first day here at the event and I think there were many people who, who were really hesitating or did not know how close is okay mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. and uh, this is something I think event planning has to deal with because so, uh, Corona is still here yeah. so it's, it's like it's like uh, like a threat around us but at the same time we need uh, to feel secure and, and there has to be trust to to have um, really deep conversations about topics but I think this is something you have to keep in mind if you are designing events in the future yeah. oh. so maybe we ask what 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 attracts or how did you come across our, our I came here, here by hazard. I think I saw the the event design collective as a as a topic or title or name when I first opened the app. So I was checking what is interesting for me. So I put you into my favorites, but I struggled a bit, for instance, to find you. So, and today, which is the last day, my pity. I'm sorry. I was um, checking the clock room. And then by hazard I found your booth and I was very happy and I was like uh, something um, really like grabbed my attention it was the, the canvas because this is something which is very familiar we are um, a company who works agile so these kind of methods and, and thinking and tools um, are, f are like something which we daily work with so it's nothing completely new so so I thought okay this is interesting and I stopped uh, yeah and that's how it and here we it are started. In podcast, having a conversation yeah. using yeah. technology what is what is um, so can you can you give an example what it brings as an output for your organization that you work at job right? so what is what is that is that deeply rooted in your organization or is that something you came up with after a few years working I think um, it's something we came up um, after some years of working but um, it was something the management decided to do but then every part of the company was uh, working agile so it's not only like the, the developers the tech people are working agile because they're software developers so they used to know this method because it's a project 
management method, mm -hmm. which was, I think, invented um, in Silicon Valley, Valley or it came from software. So, but also like marketing, um, yeah, even back office works agile. So it's it's really something which is in the DNA of the company, and and I think it's it's also like one one pillar or one or the strong base why we are still, um, yeah, we are still innovative, you know, and and we are like not like. We are keeping the pace, we are dealing with change in a very positive way. So I think it's something which, which, which makes you strong and resilient also. Huh. And can you, can you, because you are, mm. uh, uh, for that company, you're doing events. event yeah. management? So right? we are like, the events team is like an event agency, yeah. but not the external one. <laughs> it's like we are an internal one, like a service. Uh, yeah. How does that work? Can you give, an, give the, the listeners of this podcast mm -hmm. an example how you already work agile when, when it comes to event management? Yeah, I mean, um, usually <laughs> it's like this. We get a request as an events team for an event. So they have, I don't know, they have a preferred day, a date. Ideally, it starts with dates, uh, maybe locations, what kind of people have uh, want um, to come, the audience, the speakers, everything. But uh, to be honest, sometimes it's it's less than that, and we have to come up with with ideas and solutions. So um, yeah, that's how we start, and we start with I mean, brainstorming with the kickoff meeting. I mean, we as a, as events team, but also we have to invite all stakeholders. You know, so I don't know the the, the unit who who is like the product owner or event owner. And then everyone else who is related and even like external suppliers we work with, you know, the location or whatever. And yeah, and we sometimes struggle, for instance, to find the right locations for us because this, um, how to say, this, this idea of being agile means also that we are very flexible and agile until the very end of the event, which means Sometimes we want to have like a location who fits our needs, which means we don't. And it's like for us, it's really essential to have like a big space with 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 great Wi-Fi, but also with a flexible setting. And sometimes locations are they come with poor Wi-Fi and with a fixed seating. So this is something I think people who want to be agile or flexible. Uh, have challenges. And, and what, is, what is that, so, sorry for, for yeah. asking, no, no, no. asking further, um, what, is that, what is that agile component in when it comes to, um, to, uh, to event management? What, is, what, what makes that agile or different than other people do that in a tradi more traditional way? We are self-organized as a team, for instance. So I would say it's not only the pro product owner giving us like tasks, it's us defining the tasks. So we are, we are like defining the tasks, it's, it's, it's uh, yeah, it's a self-organized thing. So it's it's not like in the traditional, I don't know, a event agency where you have maybe a big key account, yeah, and then you have someone who is responsible for the client. You have a project lead. We have this, but we function as a project lead team. So I would say, okay, for instance, for some events, we have like one person in events who is mainly responsible for this. But it's not to give other people like their tasks and to micromanage, you know. It, it's more like to keep everything together and, and make it somehow work. Okay. Yeah. It's different, I think. 
Yeah. So uh, you've just presented mm -hmm. here at IMAX uh, yeah. a session on this very topic. Yeah. Um, do you see an evolution in the events industry with regards to to this topic and to the approach? I think they had to to follow a bit this kind of method at planning, but it was forced by the pandemic because suddenly overnight there was like full break from of corona, you know, or you had to come up with another plan because the the idea of creating a get together space or area does not work anymore because the people have to keep distance, the caterer have to follow like, you know, instructions or rules uh, written by the law. So, and suddenly nothing was going as planned. And I think this is the moment where they had to be agile, which means they have to be very fast, they have to adapt, uh, follow like changes overnight, have self-organized teams, but I think mm. it's something which was forced. Yeah. And some people, I think, will lose this ability. Once they're not forced by, by Corona, they will not see that it was a positive impact for them, you know. So these well, became, in our terms, we would call them design restrictions, right? Yeah, so I would say they're so. They're part of the hmm. new frame within which yeah. event design yeah. must fit. Um, or for instance, technique is also a good example mm -hmm. because usually you decide very early in the stage of planning an event. Here, for instance, IMAX, they would have had decided either we go for in-person only, hybrid, or online. So, I mean, no? So, this was something, for instance, at the beginning of the pandemic, they had to come up with a um, digital version of the event overnight mm -hmm. and had to arrange technique and everything. But it was not something they maybe budgeted mm -hmm. in the early stage or they had think, uh, thought about it. Yeah. yeah. So, do you think now people are thinking more about these alternative options as they're creating their events or do you see a change? Well I think it's a change because you have more options now and it's this kind of technique is not something which is only available or known by a very small um, part of the business industry you know so for me as a software uh, as an events manager within a software company it's very easy to think about online events because we have the infrastructure and we have the tools and the people we are working with are used to use the, the technology. So, but uh, I think, yeah, I think they, they also it's about inclusivity. I think it, it's really great to have more people um, joining a conference which have restriction by travel. I think visa is a, you know, it's a big issue when we have like external um, speakers and they're, they're coming from, I don't know, Asia or whatever to the European Union. Then you always have like, you have a lot of trouble. Uh, if it's not Schengen, mm -hmm. then yeah. And this is something where you could onboard them easily, you know, and, and also like give this to the audience, you know. And uh, these are knowns, right? Yeah. So these are, they've changed, yeah. the rules have changed and they're, they're now becoming mm. a known set of mm. restrictions. Um, maybe going, taking this further upstream mm. a little bit because while your interest in event design yeah. and now you're seeing like Agile, I recognize mm. this. Um, what, what, what triggered or what, what do you think this could do for your events? Do you have any 
clue or what, what, what are you thinking about? I think we, we could optimize the format. So we could really rethink about um, is this still something which would fit the needs the audience has, our internal stakeholders have, we as an events team have. I mean, it's also part of the process. And uh, also when I see here how you um, you think about past events, so what have I learned from history? So this is also something I think we sometimes tend to forget. You know, the, the documentation of event, but in a way that we really can have something made out of it. So instead of only like document uh, how much money did we spend on and what technology we had, there is also a, a way of how did this work with the people joining, were they happy with the, the networking opportunities, you know, or was this something which was not working at all and why should we do them again, do the same schedule if people were complaining that they, that they really were in need of having deeper conversation, but there was only a half an hour for, for food and chat, mm -hmm. you know, so yeah. Looking at, looking at, so we are on, almost at the end of this mm -hmm. uh, episode. Um, if you would jump a few years further, yeah. let's say 20... 27. Jesus Christ, I'm old and gray then, but okay. <laughs> and of course, and of course, COVID and pandemics yeah. permitting, right? So, yeah. um, let us, if the world keeps spinning, what? How would how would the events world look like? Inclusive, really inclusive. I think this is something I miss, and I'm always like fighting for, because, for instance, I think the needs for people that that really. I cannot understand why you would, as a, as a big company or as an event organizer who wants to be professional or who thinks he is forward-thinking and somehow avant-garde or whatever, you know, innovative, would book a location who is not barrier-free, who excludes people who are in wheelchair, who have, like, really problems to see properly, you know, something like this, or people with intolerances for food. This is something I was really like renting since three days because there's nothing indicated who, which food is gluten-free, for instance, you know, so something, this should be, we should really aim as, a, as an industry to be more inclusive, to, to, yeah, to come up with ideas who really bring people together. This is something where we could really change the world and shape also the, the, the events. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, we have a couple of years between now and then. Yeah. There's work to be done. Each event contributes <laughs> to that change, right? It's a yeah, but event design, habits. for instance, could be something where you as an event a team have a lot of tools to make sure that you do not exclude anyone. Exactly. Yeah. So it's about yeah. knowing what the needs of the various yeah. stakeholders are determining what the common denominator mm -hmm. is or upping the common denominator yep. to some standards. Also having that within your own company yeah. as a, here's how we do things. Yeah, a code of conduct or something like this, you know. And an, and an operating procedure as to how you mm. get to the choices you make systematically. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm encouraged by that insight. Um, I also think that um, because your company has that background developing mm -hmm. software yeah. that's now embedded through the culture of your organization that 
agile thinking, maybe you know, mental mm -hmm. models and structured processes are driving the autonomous tasks you do yeah. within the company. I think it's encouraging to see that the demand you have is ultimately going to change the supply. Right? So yeah. I don't think the supply not very often changes mm -hmm. demand. Uh, some exceptional cases mm -hmm. it can, as we've seen in the last two years, but um, I think the demand will push the change in the supply. So as long as your demand is going to be for more mm -hmm. agile methodologies, more adjustment, better design, user-centric design, um, I like that thinking. And you know, five years forward, who knows? We might be sitting around this table yeah, having hopefully. the same conversation. Yeah, thank you for having me. Yeah, yeah. thank you, Suzanne. Thank, thank you so much. Thank you. This has been another episode of the Design to Change Designer Conversation Series. Explore these conversations and additional content at designtochange.online. Want more right now? Tune into the backstage episode of this conversation and hear what the experts discuss offstage.